Welcome to the Flyman Fishing Show, where we talk fly fishing, fly tying, and everything in between. I'm your host, Scotty Davis. It's early out there. Oh, yeah, I've been up for, I don't know, four hours already, though. Oh, geez. By, cho- by choice? Yeah, I just uh, I just wake up pretty autonomously at like 5 a.m. Yeah, kids <laughs> will do that to you. <laughs> and I just, I just start going. It's it's like a magic few hours you get before they even decide to be humans, you know. Yeah. So, drive morning people crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, used, uh, I used to be like that. Not anymore. I'll sleep as long as I can. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, my my wife my wife works night shifts in the hospital, like in the ER. So, she's full time. Like I'm gonna take a and take a nap. Like all right. <laughs> Fair enough. I bet she's been run ragged with all this. Oh yeah, I don't. I do not envy it. You know. So. Do the COVID patients go to the ER, or do they have a separate place they send them? She deal with a lot of that. Oh, all all day. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Like they're they hold on to so many, so many patients in there. So, That's it's nice. it sounds it sounds wild. Yeah. I like your wall back there. Looks like we're sitting in the same room. I know. That's kind of <laughs> ironic. <laughs> I was noticing that. Yeah. Did you build that? Yeah, it's just uh like rough cut cedar yeah. plank. I didn't get as fancy as you and make up have like different di- or widths, you know? Well it was all pallets. So okay. But the hard thing is, you know, there's pallets aren't the same. So there's all that gap in between. You can see the crappy wall behind it. So you have to put an, another piece on top, which kind of gives it that three dimensional look too, which is kind of gotcha. You know. Gotcha. Well, how you been? Yeah. How's the fishing? Fishing, fishing has been good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, the river's not fishing as well. We don't have the salmon return like we would want to, but also been really hot this year yeah and where do you where do you live i live in redding so when we get salmon back all of our trout just post up behind them kind of like a little like mini alaska style you know like fishing eggs and bugs be you know behind reds and those fish are just like posted up like eating giant pez dispenser candies you know (laughs) um but yeah it's been it's been a weird year it's like super you know you guys in the southeast like got a ton of water (laughs) yeah like we got nothing so it's kind of weird it's just you know in washington and like northern half of oregon's on like 120 percent of snowpack we're at 60 and we're at 60 like 66 percent of snowpack for the last storms like year is that why the salmon didn't come back just the lack of water coming in back in the river well, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's our river's all flow controlled and it's all dam release, bottom, bottom dam release. So it stays 50 to 55 degrees year round. Nice. Um, that's so it's like a trout, the Sacramento it's a trout factory. Yeah. It's like a trout factory. Nice. So it's, it doesn't make any, I mean, too many factors, right? Yeah. So. So they're not steelhead. They're true rainbows. They're like you said, Alaska style. They're just sitting there waiting for the salmon that aren't showing up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so it's super hard to differentiate our steelhead from our rainbows because um, we have the McLeod River red band and it's, it could be a steelhead, you know, because we have fish that go to lakes, like go to Lake Shasta, uh, like out of the tributaries and they go live in the lake for a year and you can, you could be bass fishing, you catch a 28 inch trout and you're like, <laughs> and it's like chromed out and looks right like a steelhead and you're like, huh, you know, we don't call them steelhead. That's the Great Lakes gig, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, the genealogy, it's like, a, it could be a totally mixed bag. Like you could get a, catch a 24 inch resident fish or a 24 inch fish that has been to the salt. So our, our fish and game department says anything over, I think it's like 16 or 18 inches is to be counted as a steelhead. Really? Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've caught this fish eight times this year, you know, like it has like a messed up fin or something, you know, it's always in the same spot and you're like Nemo, Nemo fin. Yeah. You're like, whatever. Are the, um, those fish that go in the lakes, are they, is it, is obviously dam regulated, right? Yeah. So Historically, the McLeod, the Sack, the Pit, Hat, all drained into just the main Sack drainage. And then when we put in Shasta Dam for power and water storage, it cut off all that spawning ground. So fish that were below are now up there. And then fish above are just kind of stuck. And, you know, but we have big brown trout that go up their creeks and rivers in the fall. And hang out in the lake the rest of the year nice how long have you lived in reading been in reading for 10 years and i think the north state since 2001 so like i used to live in mount shasta and i was just kind of homeless and lived in a truck and fished a lot yeah <laughs> i envy that <laughs> yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't bad yeah what but, kind of drug was it big enough to like you have a cat oh uh, camper shell and everything uh, i had a camper shell so it was just like a 2001 trd tacoma and i've lived in a subaru outback for a while um a little total <laughs> yeah total dirtbag existence but um yeah my tacoma i had this rad thing called a wilderness they don't make them anymore so it's like a like cantilevers over you get a queen bed and then like an outfitter tent that nice. pops up. So it was like pre-rooftop. I mean, this is 16, 15 years ago. So it's like pre-rooftop. I'm an overlander. Like, right. No, that was home. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so yeah, I did that for a while and then moved down to Reading, got married and started a family. So nice. You got to still miss yeah. it a little bit. The, the nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, but as a rep, I get to go, like now I have a Tundra with a camper shell and like fully decked out, yeah. uh, you know, like deck drawer system. Like it's pretty pimp, you know? Oh, like, that thing is sweet, that that drawer system you have. Oh, it's it's insane. Like it took me a while to get used to it, but now that I am, it's like everything's modular. Right. Everything's just easy. Um, but like when I go on the road, I'm probably one of the, I love like, I just go, camp off of dirt roads and at hot springs and you get to be a dirt bag for like a month out of the year and like kind of scratches that itch you know yeah i don't know what shops think about me but that's a different story that's kind of like the southeast airflow rep he does that he he goes and uh pitches hammocks and things like that and 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the way to do Why it. Why not? Yeah. When oh, he, is that? Oh, Brighton. Yeah. 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 Brighton yeah, yeah, used yeah. to work at work for me at the fly shop here. Okay. When he, when he was a, a kid, really got an internship at college. So he worked for me for like a month. And I was like, man, I, I'll keep this one. He's weird, but I'll keep him. He's good. <laughs> But he did a smart rep thing. I don't know who told him that when he first started. He was like, you know, going to all these cities and couldn't really afford hotel rooms or, or anything like that. So he got a uh, a Planet Fitness membership for 20 bucks a month. And he'd go take a shower in any city he went to. It's <laughs> like, that's pretty smart. That was, that was uh, yeah, out west here. We just started seeing Planet Fitness, but we had a 24-hour fitness. Yeah. You know, and it's 25 bucks a month or something like that, but it's all the hot showers you could ever want. Right. That's <laughs> smart. I mean, yeah. the truck stop. Oh, absolutely. Prettier people in the gym. 100%. <laughs> so, how'd you start repping? Oh, dude, it was um, so a friend of mine named Bryce Tedford. Uh, he was working, I think he was like the sales manager and rep for. Uh, Beulah fly rods out of Southern Oregon. Mm. They make super cool little like boutique looking fly rods, but on a production scale. Right. And uh, they brought me on like as a pro staff guy. And then one day Bryce is like, I don't, I don't want to be a rep anymore, but you do great at all these events. And he's like, gave me like the dream pitch, you know, like, did you show up at shops and like, you just sell them stuff. And I'm like, yeah okay <laughs> sounds easy and then then you had to buy all the samples because like you have to buy your samples like a lot of people think like oh reps you just get everything for free so it's like i'm like kind of newly married and i tell my wife I'm like, hey we have to buy like seven grand in fly rods <laughs> she's like what i'm like yeah but i'm gonna go to these shops and make all this money she's like oh okay <laughs> like she kind of bid on it and i was a firefighter and paramedic at the time so i had 20 days off a month and uh that was that was my intro and you know i just gathered up as many smaller brands as i could and started going after it and a few years later it just morphed into like oh this is what i'm going to be doing full-time so now i'm a full-time rep yeah big big brands too yeah, 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 yeah. Super stoked on that, you know. Yeah. It's like kind of crazy to get to work with some of these guys that you know you've you've like looked up to and thought were like you know even before you were a rep or whatever. Like financially, you're like, dude, these brands are historic and did cutting edge things. Like, I mean, Scott Fly Rods is pretty ridiculous. Like, I think uh, I think I have one of the earliest rods they ever made. Um, they were the first ones to come out with a nine foot fly rod. Yeah, I remember the nine foot five way, wasn't it? Yeah, like a nine foot five. They have I have a nine for four and in the G series, and it was when they introduced graphite, and everybody's like, You guys are insane because it was fiberglass at the time, right? And like this will never work. This will never work. <laughs> nine feet? That's yeah. a that's an antenna. I know. And you know, I still fish that rod from the 70s, it's like my little dry fly stick. Yeah. Always like Scott did all the like out of the box stuff. Like one of the strangest rods I have is one of my favorites. I think it's the Healy Ply series, but it's a six foot nine inch six weight with a fighting belt. And there was there was a shop that was like, man, we can't can't get rid of this thing. And we'll sell it to you what we paid for it. And I was like, oh hell yeah, it's like the perfect largemouth rod for like a lot of bushes. You can't really roll cast, 
it's right. so short, but it still flexes just like a big rod. If you just consider yourself a miniature person and you're casting right. the same way, it's it's gold. I mean, yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, my my unicorn that I've never found yet, and I regret not getting was the uh, the fiber hammer. It was like a little switch rod, a little glass switch rod, and uh, I like swinging soft hackles a lot. Yeah, me and too. And it's like, I've never, I never, you never see them really come up for secondhand sale. Like the guys who have them, like, nope, not getting rid of it. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like in 30 years, you're going to find it at some garage sale. You know, right. somebody's my age died and their kids are selling a stupid fly rod. Right. Yeah. 20 bucks. You 20 know, bucks. yeah. Right. I'll give you 15 for it. Yeah. <laughs> Got to heckle. Right. That was a 70s era rod. Mm hmm later no that was, that was a 2000 era rod oh wow yeah so was it orange was that the orange blanks mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's kind of that honey orange caramelly goodness of just stands out right yeah so yeah i like throwing soft tackles too um you know david grossman from southern culture on the fly mm -hmm. when sylvester neems died we were going to go to his funeral and then we, our wives were like, well, that's kind of in bad taste. You know, you didn't know him and you're just kind of showing up because you like this fly. So we, we agreed with him on that one, but I like, I like swinging stuff too. I was new to it till I fished out in the Northwest. You know, we don't, don't really swing flies here. Actually, when I started tr trout fishing here, people would tell me I'm going the wrong way and I need to go upstream. Like, okay. Thank, thanks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you uh, swing single flies or do you do tandems? So yeah, it just depends. Like, on our smaller creeks and tributaries, like uh, I swing a lot of single hand rods up there. Just, I mean, I have some trout space, but some of the creeks are maybe 30 feet wide. So it's kind of a joke to like really talk yourself into it, but right. I'll swing single stuff up there. And then on the big rivers, I uh, I do like a streamer, like a, like a sculpin chasing a soft tackle. So I'll put the soft tackle kind of up top on like a tag and then run a sculpin below Nice. A couple different options there. Yeah. So see what happens. There you go. Um, and your able rep as well and airflow. Yep. Nice. Ross, Echo, Loon, um, you like a headwear company, uh, work with Firehole Sticks, Jiminy Christmas. I always get lost on the I do trout hunter leader and tippet. Nice. Um airlock indicators. Yeah, it's like a huge putting the binders together and like it's quite the task you know yeah. so um airflow just simplified all their fly lines didn't they they did yeah How and you, about you know that? i, I kind of love it yeah. because i'm a i'm a line nerd and i see so many lines and i start looking at tapers and i'm like dude this one's blue and this one's orange but it's the same paper right and you're calling it two different things due to a coating or, you know, it just, it's, it's not simple. I like, I like easy, you know, like you're going to go out and chuck bobbers. You need a bobber line, right? <laughs> like, you know, you're going to throw, you like throwing, you like drinking pinky out tea. You need like a real soft line and, you know, like a glass rod or a G series, like this is what's going to work. Yeah. So to see it kind of scaled back and, cleaned up is it's kind of refreshing especially yeah. i think for consumers with all of the how many new people we have coming into our sport like 
you know, after a COVID ran through it, like year, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like there's so many people that like, whoa, love the outdoors. And like, you walk into a fly shop and it's like, oh, you need these 12 lines. And they're like, whoa, that's a $1,200 investment. Like I just got a starter kit. You know, right. it's like, no, here's a line. This is a universal line. It's going to do everything. Yeah. It's overwhelming. You know, if you're new to it, even if you've been in it for a while, if you take a couple months off you're like, Jesus, what happened? I like that COVID ran through it. A lot of people don't realize what it did to the, the industry. I mean, it boomed. We had, we had a kind of across the board boom with, with COVID. Well, yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, it's, I mean, a lot of the shop owners that we work with out here are, you know, they're comparing it more so to a river runs through it, like Robert Redford's film. Like mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest booms in fly fishing ever because everybody wanted to be Brad Pitt. Right. You know, right. <laughs> like, um, but it was, I don't know. I think it, I think it did a lot of good things for the, for us, like a lot of good family time, first and foremost, you know, people not being at work, but like getting outdoors, like, yeah, on the flip side of it, it gave us kind of new industry to work with. And like, we were busier than we've ever been. Um, but it's so many people that realize that they don't have to be inside of a box nine to five to get their job done anymore. Yeah. Like from my standpoint, it's like, maybe it was like a wake up call. Like we don't need 400 story tall skyscrapers times a thousand everywhere. Cause we can work like we're working right now. Right. You know, just as well too. Yeah. And, you know, kind of brings back some of that family dynamic. And it's kind of felt like a lot of times, like people were frustrated, but like, remember like post-World War II, you see like the pictures of like the family guys and they're like, <laughs> and they have like the camper and like the, yeah. you know, the sedan towing it out to the woods and stuff. It's like, it's like, that's what I was seeing. I was seeing kids playing outside and like families interacting. And I was like, this is awesome. I hope they stick around. Yeah. Unplugged. Let's not confuse them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a true point that like some states were encouraging it so much they got rid of fishing licenses you know to get people outside when COVID first started like man we have all these great resources go out and explore them or you could be like California and then we shut down everything right there's, there's too many people in the woods they're all gonna get COVID in the woods like right. you're out right. <laughs> like and they, they shut down everything but you know it is what it is but yeah I mean it, it took me a little bit of getting used to too because for me like a lot of my fishing I do with my kids is we go hop creeks and like we may be out there six hours and fish like 45 minutes and like be flipping rocks, panning gold, doing 80 different things, you know, but I'd go to these places. I'm like, we're not going to see anybody else. And there's like four people there. And you're like, how'd you find this place? Like, <laughs> like, dang, you know, like yeah. I found this on a, you know, like a quadrangle, like forest service map, like 20 years ago. And this is my little secret spot. They're not fishing, but maybe you know but they're enjoying or recreating yeah so yeah my buddy know. uh guided for snake river anglers out in wyoming or idaho wherever and he'd always had campsites all season he just built these little camps and camped out there and he went back yeah. first year of COVID. And he said there's rvs and campers everywhere and cars and tepu tents and he said, I wasn't going to stay, but I started talking to people and they're like, yeah, we work from home. We just got a hot spot off our cell signal and we're just working from the national park. And he's just like, this is, this is not good for me, <laughs> but good for people for getting out and enjoying it. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, last year I was like looking at it and the kids are home, you know, homeschooling, doing all this stuff. And like, I don't know what they do with kids at school for that long. 
like my kids got in there and like they're like hey let's get in there and their mentality is like we're gonna power down and it'd be like an hour hour and a half and they're done and i'm like all right i gotta check your work i'm like yeah that's that's cool like so i ended up buying a you know verizon laptop just with the hotspot built in like i get calls from shop owners and they're like hey i need to order this and i'm like typing away and then they're like the ducks in the background like i got one they're like where are you i'm like oh i'm working <laughs> they're like no you're not yeah. I'm like no i am but i can just it's it's not I, I, you, your order's in you know gotta doesn't it. matter where it doesn't matter where i'm at other than the bit of jealousy that you might have right now right. <laughs> but um yeah it was it was a crazy year like so it was fun though yeah hats off to you on the dad game i was looking at your instagram page and it's like the kids are fishing they're crabbing they're hiking they're shooting guns or canoeing in swimming pools it's it's good to see that good to see they're out, they, they're out of control <laughs> how old are they so they're super close uh which is rad they're eight and nine nice so yeah yeah they're i, I don't even know what's gonna i don't even know what they're gonna be able to do in like three years from now well, like look, look good now <laughs> yeah i got them i got them into i got them into rock climbing this year I used to love rock climbing. And when I had kids, it was like wrangling a toddler at the bottom of a rock face is not something that you're going to, doesn't captivate them very much. Yeah. I'm like watching them get on stuff and like, you know, it's kind of like fishing by themselves and like, you know, I'll go run them down a river for eight hours, you know, fishing like out of the drift boat, but like rock climbing is like, Oh, I can do this. And like, my son has like this light switch that he just turns off and like gets to the top of like a hundred foot rock face that he just climbed. And he's like, Hey dad, will you load me like Spider-Man? And he's like hanging upside down in the harness. And I'm like, dude, you got screws loose. Like yeah. he's like, that was so faster, faster. You're like, oh. you know, it's like overhanging and he's just like in free space. And you're like, dude, how? Okay, cool. Oh, so. I, would, I would flip out. <laughs> you got to learn to trust the ropes and the gear. Yeah. I just want to trust the kid. <laughs> no. Yeah, mine are eight and six, so I'm just just behind you. Yeah, it's a fun age. They they're so interested in everything, and um, but you know they they just don't they do a little screen time, but overwhelmingly it's like if I can't find them, they're digging up my backyard or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like oh man, yeah. you know the the tool sheds open every shovel's missing they've dug some three foot deep hole and you're like okay trench warfare with your sister yep exactly <laughs> i'm sort of fort wigwam built yeah it's, you're like okay cool that's such a pretty part of california that there's something for them always to do outside absolutely yeah i mean i grew up um i grew up in north county san diego on the beach and when i grew up there it was like flower fields and open canyons and like we could go dove hunt behind our neighbor's house like we get off the school bus go get a few doves i probably would get arrested now you know yeah. um and there was like never a season that we knew of because we were kids so like we'd come back and cook dove breast wrapped in bacon and like toaster ovens and stuff as like our afternoon snack like <laughs> we were probably the weird kids but you know um going back there now it's like there's just no space left it's yeah. insane and kids don't get to be kids 
you know yeah there's there's just something magical about like when i like take my kids to the woods like i have a labrador who doesn't leave their side and she's pretty defensive of them like they're her kids right so they'll be 200 yards off in a thick wood wood line from me and you know they're just on their own mission doing their own thing so it's it works out you know give them a sense of independence and but yeah i couldn't i couldn't imagine staying in the city all the time (laughs) yeah yeah i couldn't either um so you do you said you rep for loon you do product development for them too as well right yeah i do a lot there like (laughs) it's like people ask me like what do you do for loon and it's like i design um you know, I mean, it's, it's by committee, but like a lot of times, like through like refinements, committee refinements, like I just have like a sketchbook filled with crazy ideas that might show up five years down the road, you know? And so I do a lot of the product design, you know, like all the colored resins, I figured out all that stuff, reformulated our resins. I do CAD engineering, like do a ton of different stuff for them. And then I do national sales management for them. I do most of the video work, a lot of the video work for them. <laughs> so it's yeah, you got some great tie-in videos. How long have you been doing those? Um, so I've been with Loon for, I think this is my eighth year now. And probably about seven years ago, we had, that's actually how I got started with Loon was I met him at IFTD and one of the owner's wives grew up four doors down from me in Southern California. Oh, wow. And like, and we're like at IFTD and, and I'm like, Andrea, she's like, Matt, how are you doing? And I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, Oh, my husband's the owner, part owner of Loom. And they're like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I tie a lot of flies. They're like, we're going to come down and film you. And just worked out that they're like in Ashland, which is Southern Oregon and a couple hours away. And, um, this ended up becoming a, a job. Um, but yeah, so long story short, I think it was, it's probably been like seven years. And uh, when I started there, we were doing a thing uh, like a Q&A product live stream mm. uh, through this weird streaming platform, which was like, nobody just, wait, you can live stream and talk to a guy? Like, <laughs> you know, it was like a big deal. And I looked at it and I'm like, we got to tie flies on here. You know, it's like webcams and uh, all this stuff and real basic and pretty tough to operate at the time. And, I'm like, dude, we got to tie live fly tying. And that was kind of like the first thing that we really did. So I guess it was like seven years ago and I'd never seen anybody else do a live stream of fly tying. So I like to think that I was the first, there may be somebody who was craftier than me and somehow, I mean, now you can just do it from your phone. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it seems like so trivial. you like, you could be on the stream hooking a fish and live stream it to hundred thousand people you know so um but yeah so it's been seven years of doing tying videos and 20 different cameras and <laughs> it's a nightmare right yeah i like the tailgate talks too that's a that's a cool little segment you've been doing those ones are fun and like it kind of gets back to like my like the fly line thing it's i think people overthink all this you know it's like i gotta have all this stuff and um, so I just try to keep it simple and just give tidbits of, you know, I imagine it to be like coaching like eight-year-old soccer. Ooh. Ooh. A herd and cats. Right. 
but you know, you got to keep everything simple, pretty clean right. and like get, get your information out there so that it gets retained and it's valuable. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think of tailgate talks as kind of that thing. And, and realistically, I think, uh, I try not to keep it too focused on like, I make this and you should, you know, cause that's, it's not useful to anybody, you know, like it needs to be helpful hints and tips and stuff like that. Yeah. Not buy, not buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens enough on social media, right? <laughs> it's, it's getting, it's getting pretty bad, you know, it scares me. Like yeah. my wife will mention some like, I don't even know, like yoga pants or something. And somehow like Instagram's now marketing me like some new yoga pant or. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm a 41 year old dude. I'm not wearing yoga pants. Right. <laughs> but they're put, they're putting those dollars into it or what. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you, I don't know if it's our phones listening or our Google speakers or what, but my wife and I did that. We were ta started talking about cats and we don't have cats. We've always had dogs. And then the next day on my weather channel app, there's, an ad for kitty litter you know same thing i pull something else up youtube and there's an ad for like meow mix I'm like this yeah. is it's my spot on me <laughs> it's i mean that one movie that's out there that it it trips me out like but it's all the head dudes from like google and instagram uh but it's about social media and they're like dude the ai is trying to control you algorithmically it's studying you and i'm right. like Dude, I would hate for them to try to figure me out outside of like <laughs> yoga pants. Like I'm over here looking at like the weirdest things for product design through my, my Google. Like it probably breaks Google. I, at least I'd like to hope so. He likes yoga uh, pants and synthetic yarns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy up to? Is he going to make yoga pants? Like yeah. <laughs> how do we market to this cat? Right. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so what, what have you been tying lately? I saw you tie a lot of Euro nymphs. Yeah, that's been, you know, it's funny. I started doing that, uh, that whole game in the early 2000s. There was like a brief like thing in like fly fishing about competition nymphing. Mm -hmm. And then it just like, and then it seemed like thingamabobber came out. And then nobody cared about anything other than thingamabobber for years. And then it was like, and then it got better with airlock. And now, you know, everybody got so focused in on this thing. But um, when I moved to Northern California, there's a little fly shop, Head Fay Fly Shop. And uh, it's been on the banks of the upper Sacramento River for, I mean, World War World War times, probably, you know, like forever. Wow. And uh, they fly fish tightline style, like super heavy nymphs, like, you know, take take 0.35 lead on a size six or eight, you know, and wrap it, wrap it back and then over. And then you coat it with some yarn and put some feathers on it. Looks great. And, right. and it was like walking it through all the riffle water. So those guys were awesome. They kind of figured out I could tie flies because I'd been doing that since I was like 10 or 11. Took me under their wing, tricked me into being like kind of a mini commercial tire for them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, like Bob Grace is awesome. Like who's the current owner of it. And, uh, you know, they'd like send me on, like, I think it was like some sort of like challenge quest. They'd be like, Hey, go to the Trinity and uh river and take the, take some flies, and go catch steelhead. I'm like, I've, I've never been over here. Like, you know, I'm new to the area. Just they, they're like trout. Once they get up that high, just fish trout water for them and high stick them. I would go over and high stick like 10 steelhead in a day. Like 
dude, steelhead are the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> you know, like these are just big, awesome trout. And like yeah. come back and oh, look at all these fit. You know, like there wasn't a camera phone at the time. Yeah. Like when I was doing that, maybe there was. No, no, it was still like flip phones and stuff. Like, yeah. um, you know, so I'd be like, I got all these fish and like, okay, cool. Like, um, but yeah, I got into comp nymphing and it's been cool. Like everything in Europe just seems to be. Um, I was talking to my buddy Hogan the other day, but it's like three years ahead of us, like weird tying stuff. And the Euros are so clean with their tying and like, so simplistic. It's like, it's like, dude, they make awesome cars and they tie like really sleek flies. And I'm just like, all right. So with all the new modern stuff, like granted, I've been doing a version of it for a long time. The new modern stuff is just, it's so fun. And seeing this new synthetic come out or this new material come out, it's like, I'll incorporate it into Euro nymphs, and, um, but most of what I really like to tie is actually like big steel, like cool steelhead flies. Like intruder stuff? Intruder stuff, but like a lot of married wing, a lot of stuff I don't even post on Instagram just because it's like super pinkies out and <laughs> like, you know, I feel bad. Like if I'm buying a feather that costs a hundred dollars, my guy goes, what feather is that? And you're like, oh this was actually harvested from a zoo and they auctioned them and they're $75 a feather. So technically if you screw up that one turn, you're out like 10 bucks, dude. Yeah. And you know, like this Corey Bastard or whatever this weird near endangered bird is that we've the fly tire, you know, fly tires like figure out how to get anything. Right. So like if you tie flies for some zoos, they'll trade you feathers or let you into an auction, weird stuff. Like yeah. somewhere, I guess there's a zoo that has, flies that i've tied as a example of what they do with this bird or why this bird is near extinction blaming fly tires I'm like, <laughs> i don't know um but yeah that's the kind of stuff i really dig uh right. just dirty you know old hooks that you have to buy on ebay for outrageous prices or custom-made hook stuff and it just goes in a box and then i snag it on a rock and it's like crap there we yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, that was really bad, yeah. you know, um, so I, I don't know, I tell you, yeah, um, but I mean, even like your guys' stuff, like 15 years ago or 10 years ago, I was tying commercially for the fly shop, and I was taking old school Waddington shanks and split rings to get them to line up right, so I could have like articulated intruders and stuff, yeah. um, and that was like one of the worst endeavors is commercially tying intruders. Uh, you know, they call you and they're like, hey, we need another 120 intruders. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. So some of that stuff like got burnt by me, you know, some of that stuff I got burnt out on tying like commercially. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I tie a lot of Euro nymphs and then I, I like this tying, uh, I actually tie a lot of bass flies too. I, I should probably start sharing some of them, but I'm trying to emulate like, there's a thing called like a Ned rig. Yeah. And so I've been working on fishing points because I, I run a little like, you know, I call it a bass boat, but like when you think of a bass boat, it's like glitter. Yeah. It's like glitter and all that, you know, it's a tracker aluminum bass, but you know, it only goes 35. It doesn't do 80. Um, but you know, to my son, it's a rocket ship and he loves catching bass and that kid can, kick my butt any day like he'll have a spin his spinning rod and i'll have a fly rod and he just kicks my butt and he thinks it's so 
yeah you didn't catch none fish compared to me i'm like cool buddy that's how my but, Wait, how did you yeah. talk shit at such an early age <laughs> exactly uh, but yeah so i've been trying to develop stuff that fishes like conventional worms and stuff throwing like real heavy sink lines longer you know bombing a 70 foot cast and it, and it's a waiting game because we can't sink as fast as conventional gear fish in six pound with a quarter ounce jig head on a ned rig or whatever eighth ounce jig head and so then just working all of that stuff up like big points and just trying to target those a lot of different fish in different ways that aren't typically done on a fly rod but is that what you grew up fishing for is bass in southern cal oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i have <laughs> it was it was always awesome we'd ask my dad you know my dad my dad was always like i'll always take you guys fishing let you get out and so we quickly found out that golf courses down there were just loaded so we'd be like lacing up like our running shoes yeah can you drop us off at like five o'clock he's like dude it'll be dark in like an hour yeah just come go to the driving range and come back in like an hour and a half we'll be ready <laughs> you know sometimes the marshal didn't come out and i mean more five to 10 pound bass for me have been caught out of golf course ponds than anything. Yeah, underfished. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta be faster than the dude in the red golf cart. You gotta be <laughs> on it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I grew, up, I grew up bass fishing probably since I was like five years old, so. What got you tying flies? Tying flies was uh, like, my whole intro into fly fishing was, um, like my uncle who I kind of patterned most of my life after initially um like my goal as a kid was always to be a professional fisherman like that was like the dream but you quickly realize that that's not really a reality for 99.9 percent .9 of people so I'm like I'm gonna be a fireman so I can fish more like that schedule like it made sense to me and it's like oh you have a retirement you have all these things and so my uncle was a fireman and he fly fished a lot. And one day he just like, we had a little family cabin up in Washington. He showed up and he like flops down this kit that he and my dad had got. And they got me a rod at like a thrift store. Um, I still have it. It's like an eight weight. I would say it's an eight weight. It says six on it, but this is the stoutest broom bowl you've ever seen. Six weight. Um, there's no name on it. it. Just says eight weight or six weight. You're like, okay um like a martin 65 click paw and like a Cortland 444 bright orange line right like that was the jam at the time and he goes you're oh, gonna yeah, learn to tie flies probably had the little spike at the end of the fly line to tie your leader on oh yeah the quick the quick knot exactly <laughs> <laughs> that you stab into your hand and barb into your hand like yeah that horrid thing um but yeah he's like hey we're gonna learn how to tie flies and you're gonna i'm gonna teach you how to cast and uh, there's Dolly Varden and Cutthroat out there that you can go catch. Give you something else to do while you're up here. Okay. And we're tying like bait fish patterns. And he's just handing me like these like pristine chunks of polar bear at the time that he's probably had forever. I'm like mangling through polar bear and marabou and trying to create bait fish. And they kind of just taught me to cast and sent me out in like my little aluminum boat into Puget Sound. And magically, somehow I started catching fish. Like it was that was like kind of my intro into fly tying and fly fishing so it wasn't like on a normal trout stream or anything like that it was like now you're gonna go strip streamers for sea run cutties like 
kind of a cooler thing, you know, I guess, yeah. but um, yeah, that's, it was just something I, something I did all the time. That's cool. They kind of sent you out, kind of gave you the tools and just sent you out to be a kid and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different mentality. Like you almost learn through failure. Right. right. And I think I do that too much to my kids right now. Like they just come back completely defeated. And I'm like, why'd you fail? Like, what didn't you do? And they explained to me, I'm like, well, what else you think through it? Like, no, don't ask a question. Like, think you tell me what you could do. Right. Um, and that's what they did to me. Like, oh, you didn't net the fish. Why? Well, I did, forgot my net. Oh, so you weren't prepared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stop talking to you. <laughs> so you're basically telling me like, you know, at the time, like the fishery was thriving. So like keeping a fish, like in 1990 wasn't it wasn't like all catch and release and do all this stuff so like dad would look at me he's like so i'm not eating trout for dinner tonight like well you suck like go do it right next time you know not like that harsh but like that was the gist of what i took away from it like then you know then then you start building the kit like you're gonna be like go full boy boy scout on it yeah (laughs) but yeah from there it just kind of grew into uh a lot of backpacking and fly fishing Cause growing up in Southern California, there's not a lot of trout and you know, there's a ton of bluegill. Those are fun. Oh yeah. But we'd go on pretty insane adventures where we'd like, I think completely, you know, the stuff you couldn't get away from anymore. Cause you can track everybody on like an iPhone or whatever. Now, like parents are like, you can't lie to a parent these days. They're like, Oh, I put six secret tracking apps on your phone and I haven't pinged <laughs> off of these 38, 38- through triangulation you were here liar right. um you know we'd tell tell our parents like hey we're going to alex's house or we're going to todd's house for the weekend like call from a payphone, no caller id hey we're having fun we're gonna stay another couple nights oh yeah okay parents did, like you know it was like come home when the street lights come on like lifestyle and yeah we'd be seven hours away in the sierras like having just got a driver's license you know <laughs> like things could have gone so sideways and they'd think we're all at each other's houses and not communicating yeah that's kind of opposite of me my older sister used to get pissed because i didn't have a curfew when i was you know middle school and high school because i would be like i'm going catfishing with with my friends you know or we're gonna go hunting or fishing or something and then a lot of times we didn't go hunting or fishing and my parents were like oh he was he was out fishing all night my sister was like no he wasn't (laughs) kind of the, the great excuse did you do the golden trout wilderness yeah so we've hiked uh we've done golden trout wilderness caught a ton of golden trout um and then we really focused on um like we did a lot of hiking and then we started targeting stuff that was like scud rich and i mean you'll get into some of the lakes where like the the you know backcountry ranger whatever's like keep all the fish you can and you're catching big trout fat trout you're like why and he goes well we've done some studies in here and there's so many scuds these fish actually die of heart attacks after five years because it's so much food like and the guy was like i think the guy basically summed up he's like just imagine you only eat big macs like it'd be horrible super size and we're like oh yeah super size me for trout you know so we started targeting all these like scud rich waters and what's in here you know it's always what's around the next corner and the resources weren't there that are there now where it's like you could like 
find like the most random lake in the middle of the Sierras and there's like five reports of guys who have fished it. It was like paper maps and like Thomas brought that, you know, the, the gazetteers that you like flip from, no, we're on page 68. No, we're on 67. Like, you know, trying to figure out where stuff's at, but we just, we just kind of tromped around throughout all of the mountain ranges and found some more local stuff that nobody was talking about that were filled with like big browns you know started fishing for them with like weird crawdad pattern whatever we could create like good it, stuff it definitely wasn't easier but it's uh was more fun before google maps and all that stuff you know oh yeah yeah like even even like our bass game growing up like we'd go drive and i think like our highlight was um one of our friend's dads had a friend that was a pilot and offered to take my friend up and he had like the remember like the kodak 110 yeah yeah he, like he took like four rolls of film in the kodak 110 and our whole scheme was getting enough money to buy film and then for him to go up in this plane and take all of these pictures like he totally tatered half the pictures like ruin the film kind of a thing you know standard with film right right and uh but he got to go up in this plane and like he was taking pictures of like all of these like where I grew up in Encinitas, it's North County, San Diego. We have like Rancho Santa Fe just inland of us. And it's like Janet Jackson has a house there. Like Schwarzenegger had it's high, high flute and stuff. But there was all of these ponds. And so he did this plane thing and there's all these ponds. So it became our mission on how to attack all <laughs> these ponds. Now you just like, wait, you said there's a pond somewhere? Yeah. Oh yeah, it looks like it's deeper on this end and there's an access point, you know, like right. it, it it takes a lot of the adventure out of it, you know, but <laughs> it's yeah, what it is. As a kid going and knocking on people's doors, you know, do you mind if we fish your pond, you know? Right. Like that. But as soon as we got our driver's license and didn't pull up on bikes anymore, we were punk kids and I like, get the hell out of here, you know. But just being a kid rolling up on your bike, being honest about it, you know, pick up some trash and we fish, and they'd always let us, you know. It's oh cool, yeah. Cool way to grow up. You know, it's funny, I mean, speaking about that, like, so here there's a ton of private land and then there'll be like chunks of beat, like Bureau of Land Management, huntable land inside of it, but surrounded by farms. And I met a guy and he goes, oh, you got to check out this uh, thing. It's 50 bucks a year. You pay for it, but it tells you who owns every parcel. It gives you their phone number. Really? Okay. I'm like, it's all, you know, it's all agriculture around this, like, 20 acre knob in the center and you're like there's got to be so many deer in there <laughs> and but because it's blm one of those parcels will have access and egress because there legally has to be and i've gone up to doors still to this day and like you're like hey i wanted to go to this piece of blm land that sits behind you i looked on the map it says that you're the easements on your property i noticed over there by your cattle fence would you i just wanted to let you know like and make sure like up here, maybe it's a little different, you know, like I probably pull up in a nice truck. And I look presentable, you know, and I'm like very respectful in communication and they're like, yeah, no problem. Hey, would you just mind making sure the gates are locked? I really don't want the cows out, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Like, and they're like, nobody ever asks about that. And it's like, I think it's just people don't either extend that common courtesy anymore or just sneak through. Yeah. <laughs> we're scared of each other too much social media yeah it's kind of funny that way right <laughs> yeah so i don't know yeah do you design uh 
the Euro nets for fulling mill? You know, I have, uh, I'm, I've, I've been a contract. I was a contract hire for a long time. And I just, I think like going full video, like mode made it. So I, I didn't want to, I don't know, maybe it was a switch inside my head. Like, I'm like, I don't care about submitting them anymore. You know, like I have all this stuff going on. So I have like one fly with fully mills. <laughs> like I'm like sitting there and I'm like looking at my box and I'm like, dude, I should be turning all of these in. And then I'm like, you know, but just looking at your watch and like, where am I going to find the time? Like kids, soccer practice, work, family life, stuff around the house. You know, it's like, it just has, it doesn't take precedent anymore. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I probably should. I have some stuff that works pretty darn good. <laughs> and, uh, I was curious about that fly you did. That was like the Cinco or the Shanko. I think you called it. Oh yeah. That thing was pretty so, rad. So yeah, I was, I was playing with, uh, so I use spines like the like the chocolates spine system on it, and then getting to commercially tie it. I think that people would hate me because <laughs> it's like the thing I found like it's like I can tie ten of them and eight of them will fail to act right. Right, and it's like you've done the same thing. You feel like you've been repeatable on it all, and there's some weird variance in materials or the way it absorbs water or something like that, where it just doesn't get that like little fluttery motion on it. They're quite the right way. But yeah, so I was like individually weighting things, you know, progressively out from the center to lighter so that it got the right sink and kick. And it was like, if I did two and a half wraps, like it could chicane the whole operation. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff I like to play with. Like <laughs> That thing was cool, man. I, I, I'll stare at that for a minute. What was um, the tail, the little tail pieces, the ends? Oh, the ends are, uh, shoot, uh, John, it's uh, Kylie's EXO, that rubber. In. Yeah, because the initial ones just went one. And so I had to put something out there to create resistance to get them to, like, kick weird and then, you know, wacky rig it and... <laughs> Just weird, goofy stuff. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> are you, you fishing this week? Or are you back on the road? Um, we just got out of lockdown. Oh yeah, yeah. School, so schools and everything. No, just personal one for our family. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, we uh we had a little fire here, and like kids are like, "Oh, we have a sore throat," and we're like, "Raining ash this big, like my throat feels horrible too." You know, like everybody we talk to is like, dude, breathing right now sucks. You know, like our air quality is in like the 400s. It's like five times what Beijing is. And they say that's bad air quality or something, right? Like didn't think anything of it. No fevers, nothing like that. And like my daughter was like still at school. Like we're like, all right, we'll keep the boy home. Like the next day my daughter goes, yeah, I don't feel good in school. like, you guys got to get tested. We're like, all right, 18 months. My wife's been in the heart of darkness of this thing in the ER like there's no way that this and the, yeah we all there's oh all right we're gonna camp out together <laughs> oh instacart you know so i I'm, I'm i'm going i get to go on the road now i was supposed to be on the road probably two weeks ago <laughs> uh, the fires that the wildfires have been happening 
Or yeah, it's been it's it's crazy out here. Like that, was that real close to where you are? So uh yeah, the most recent one is and so I'll, I mean, considering that we have some fires that are less than an hour away that we're at nine hundred and sixty-five thousand acres. Jesus. This this was a little one um at eighty five hundred acres. Um by comparison, obviously, like there was a lot of homes destroyed and people's lives affected. Um, but a uh, some lady from San Francisco was found to be responsible for setting it. And her claim was that she was trying to boil some water to get the barrier in out of it. But she had like <laughs> incendiary devices with her and she's part of some like movement for something like, they're not super forthcoming with all the information on what organization this lady's kind of associates with, oh, but it seemed that's terrible. Um, so yeah, it was definitely human cause versus like lightning and stuff like that. So, but that was like five miles from the house. I mean, it was close. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, we had a we had a big one, uh, really devastating fire. Like took out half of the west side of town almost. You know, like. Um, and uh, that one got like a mile and a half away. That one got my got my hackles up enough to where I was like building sprinkler systems on the roof and like yeah, dude, like getting ready to plumb into the pool like needed, you know. That's scary, man. That's that's a scary problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, I mean, our forests are so overgrown. Like you look at like old photos of them and stuff like that, like john muir times and it's like you can see through the whole forest and now it's like so dense you're like yeah i mean nature's always done that too you know to some degree the wildfires to kind of clean it out but you know yeah we're just here i guess and then the damn the oil the oil spill in california that's crazy too yeah yeah like it's uh that's, I mean, that whole Los Angeles offshore drilling thing, you know, like you can look out there and you see all that stuff and you know, it's coming in and, you know, they got a, a guy with a boat anchored on the oil line and then yeah. hold a hole in it. And I mean, yeah, what? How, how does that happen? I mean, how do you not, not know there's an oil line down there? I'm sure it's ain't no anchor signs everywhere. Right. Um, if not, I mean, I have an app on my phone. I pay 20 bucks for a year on Navionics. I don't know if you have the Navionics app. Yeah. And like, that son of a gun will tell you, like, there's an underground cable here. Be careful. Like, there, it just lights up, you know, like wherever you're at. It's like, think, dude. Like, um, but that's a cool fishery down there. One of our buddies, uh, that we work with at Loon and who's been a friend of mine for probably a decade, uh, Vaughn Podmore guides out of long beach and um that whole area down there and you know fishes catalina island um and the bays and the surf fishing down there is amazing i always when i when i worked down there we'd get off work and go fish like i'd fly fish for surf perch and stuff like that because it was either like drive to the beach for 20 minutes or sit in traffic for an hour and a half right i could i could take that hour and 10 minutes and catch a few fish and then all of a sudden the traffic's gone and it's 12 minutes to get home and it's like my day's completely changed just because i stepped on the sand and water and interacted you know good for your soul yeah exactly um and it you know it seems 
big species there too, right? Yeah, so Vaughn targets uh, Vaughn targets the big calicos, and um, I think they have some stuff that's really close to our world world record off Catalina. I mean, big guys, <laughs> um, and they're throwing like thousand grain sink lines on like twelve weights or something. I mean, it's insane. Like they have this program, and it's like, you know, people talk about niches in the fly industry. You know, it's like trout guys are like eighty percent like what he's doing is like the 0.01%. Like he's like the hell's angel of like calico fishing, you know, yeah. <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ocean down there is just epic. And so, and it's horrible to see a spill like that, you know, like growing up in an ocean lifestyle, like yeah. you're like, that's devastating. Yeah. That's bad. It's a shame they couldn't get on it earlier too. It seems like they had like a day's notice before anybody acted on it. Yeah. And seemed interesting to me, yeah. you know, like, Oh, the alarms went off at this time. And then it was like, now we're going to do something like you're like, seems like in this day and age, like technology, you should know exactly. Okay. Let's investigate this. Yeah. Or there could be a computer system. Once the oil starts not coming through the pipes, it shuts down, you know? <laughs> yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty sure we have that technology yeah i'm pretty sure if our cars can do what they're doing keep you in the same lane you know and you can't shut off a damn oil pipe <laughs> oh i my wife just got a new car dude and it has like the, the heads up like it'll pace people and stays in your lane and we there's like a car shortage right now yeah like there's a yeah, there's a fishing rod shortage, but there's a car shortage. And so we ended up finding the car like on vacation in San Diego. We flew down to see family and stuff like that. Spend a week down there. We find the car. So I'm like, I'm like, it's the car you want. She's like, yeah, how do we get home? I'm like, well, you and the kids are going to get on a plane and I'm going to drive 11 hours home, I guess, by myself. But I, I mean, you're right. Like I pushed all the magic buttons, which I don't actually care for personally. <laughs> like i'm just like yeah it's like slowing down and i'm like dude this is scary yeah don't put on but, your turn signal and change the lane it'll start screaming at you you know <laughs> yeah i drive a 2011 truck like it has a cd player and like the earliest rendition of like bluetooth in a factory and it's like you know head unit <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky to get spotify and my podcasts on there while i drive around <laughs> I got you beat. My truck still has a factory tape deck. Perfect. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> I just had any tapes that were like heat warped. I still use it. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife gives me a hard time. I'm like lustful for like solid axle Toyota forerunners. I'm like, that's what I need. She's like, why do you need that? I'm like, can't kill it. You just go grind it through the woods and right. scratch it up. You don't care. That old like, Toyota engine was banging too. I know 400,000 miles and it's like, Oh, I just got broke in. It's cool. Right. Yeah. That's good. 22 RE. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you, where are you traveling to? Are you going up North or are you headed down South? Do you do all the West coast? I used to do all of the West coast. So I used to do six States Ooh. and now I've dropped it. Now I dropped it down to four, um, which is nice. Um, so I do California, Nevada, Arizona, and Hawaii. Nice. Yeah. You fly to Hawaii. Yeah. Huh? Or you do virtual stuff when you can with those guys? Yeah, I, I mean, there's one shop over there, and Sean at Nervous Waters is awesome, and he knows that like 
but it's awesome to go over there too because like uh um he's we go out on the flat we do a little bit of time looking at stuff and we're going to go out on the flats and uh his uh buddy chris aloha fly fishing i think uh he, he's a fly fishing or he's a fishing guide both sides you know fly and conventional which is sick and the dude's fishy um and he travels with like an echo gecko and uh like a hatch four plus but i think he's like the boat captain for a uh, survivor oh really <laughs> yeah so like part of the year he uses his captain's license to shuttle survivor people around or uh one of those things like kind of deals um and he's awesome. So we go out with him and like fish the pancake flat and, and, you know, it's a good time over there. I wish I could just go do it a lot more. He's fishing that gecko rod out there. He fishes the gecko like everywhere. Yeah. They fish a lot of seven weights on the flat. Like yeah. those fish are super spooky and like they just like, they'll, you'll see him at 70 feet and you take two steps and he moves two feet over and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're smart. Yeah. That's a cool, so, cool little rod. My kid's got a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I actually um, like a smaller grip. Like when I throw it, I like, I like casting that rod with that small grip on it. It feels dainty. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I leave, I leave one down at my dad's place in San Diego and like we go bluegill fishing, have fun with it. Just something to do to mix it up. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to go down the Eastern Sierras and I got to fly over to uh, Phoenix. There's a new fly shop out there called Arizona Fly Shop. They just opened. They're doing a really cool inaugural carp tournament. Oh, cool. So I'll probably like end up somewhere near an international airport, park my rig and jump on a plane for a few days, rent a car. It's like, it's like one of those, uh, you know, it's like a ping pong tournament, man. It's like just bouncing all over. Yeah. It never, it never seems like to work out to get like 60 shops all to see you in sequence and, you know, it's, it's herding cats, right? Like it's, yeah, totally. <laughs> I can see you this day, but not that day. You're like, dang it, I was going to be here. And that's like, oh man, okay. You just ping ponging all over the map. So this is what it is. Get a lot of fishing variety that way. Totally. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, a lot of evenings. I that's And that's why I like camping in the truck too. Like. You just get to go and adventure around and I'm going to go fish here and like sleep on the side of a road or whatever it might be. And just Damn. jealousy. Just do it for a while. The jealousy is rampant on this side. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. I know you're a busy, busy man. No, absolutely. Yeah. I turned off all the, uh, turned off all the notifications. That felt good. <laughs> yeah. That's rare these days. Well, um, yeah, I guess they canceled IFTD, so I guess I'll see you at the in the spring. The next yeah. one, we're going to that. Yeah, I. Well, our, but yeah, I think it's what March now. I think so. Yeah, it was that was an that was an interesting move. I yeah. was like, kind of bummed. Yeah, it seemed like a good time. I was excited to. I like Utah a lot. It's a cool place. I used to like when I used to drive through. I used to drive over to Arizona which was a waste of eight hours, you know, going from San Diego with nothing till Arizona. Yeah. And, uh, but then I drive back up through like Lee's Ferry and all through Southern Utah and like get hit Salt Lake and jet across over to Reno and back home. It added two days to the trip, but it was good scenery. Yeah. Good fishing too, you know? 
Yeah, I don't so, think the fishing will be very good in March. It might be. Depends on the winter. Yeah, I guess it does, yeah. You know, if it's a light winter, it could be, you might not have runoff yet, and it could be really midgy um, still, but you never know. Yeah. So. Guess I'll have to buy a warm jacket. Hadn't <laughs> <laughs> needed one. Well, cool. Uh, well, thanks again, man. I re we really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. Let us know if you want to come chase redfish. Heck yeah. I'd love to. We can do that. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. We'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Take right. care. Thanks, Matt. All right. Bye-bye.